0: Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Ghost And you are listening to Ghost everybody. My name is Notch. And my name is Jeff. This is the second time we've
1: recorded this episode, Jeff. And this is also the fourth intro we've done, too. So to recap... <laughs> The first time yesterday we tried this, we both have been really tired this week, and so we're giving it a whirl. This is day two of trying to get this, and it'll probably be a shorter pod after all this. The first one, he called me Jake, which is my brother's name, so we had to stop, we had to start over. Then we did about a 25-minute segment, and both of us just felt really flat about it, and I made some very, I don't know, unexcited comments about Tony Miola, which is totally undeserved (laughs) given his pedigree, and I actually think it's a great hire. So I wanted to give some credence to that and to the Jacksonville fan base, then we started it just now, and we had this really weird, hi, how are you doing? And then it was just a pause. You didn't say anything. Well, no, because you said, how is everybody doing? So I thought it was like a of the Explorer
0: call in response, and so I was waiting for the audience. Actually, unbeknownst to you, I have phone lines now, and I'm waiting for people. We're live uh, telecasting this on, uh... damn, I'm so out of touch. I don't even know, like, what we would live telecast on. I mean, this on. I guess you could on YouTube. I think they do that still. Yeah, we we could, we should yeah. do this. But see, the thing is, if we do it on YouTube. Then everybody tunes in now. Nobody listens to the recording later. Right. And that's of course that's when the magic happens after the editing. Right. When exactly. We, when we throw in the CGI dragons. If if people are listening to us unedited or just on, like it's it's the magic of Adobe Audition. Yeah. That makes us sound like. And this. that's how you solve world hunger. It is. It is what you I, just I'm said. Glad. You know. Also, there is a bigger problem in this world of hunger, and that is thirst. And I'm suffering from it right now. Well, I, I left India to find a, a place where I wouldn't be as thirsty and hungry. And while we've been doing multiple versions of this recording, you've <laughs> prevented me from quenching my thirst, Jeff. Well, it would have been worse if you're in California, I guess.
1: But what we have today is indeed fall seasonal, which is called the Rum King. This is an imperial stout, which is made with notes of rum. Can I take a fucking sip now? Uh, three, two, one, here we go. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, all right. Snobby pants, what's it taste like? Um, stout. I definitely taste the stout. Whoa, that's like on the label. Uh, your cup, by the way, says, what is it? Uh, where corned beef is a skin tone. Yeah, this is from it's Scotland. It's from the Tenant okay, Brewery, the cup. Sorry, I'm so thrown off by this. Okay, let's I, see. I think
0: it also tastes a little imperial. I'm just going to mm. say, okay. Okay, uh, so not
1: just a pierced stout.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. It's um, an imperial. One would say it has hints of indeed. Indeed.
1: Well. I, indeed it does. And I would say that it has some notes of rum yeah! Wow,
0: that that's so astute. I our listeners right now are running to the stores to buy. By the way, if you would like to have your <laughs> beverage featured on Duffcast and reviewed, no. But quite honestly, it tastes like a big mouthful of uh, flavor. It just hits you mm-hmm. right in the face, and it's got a lot of complexity to it. Which a lot of it. To be honest, there's a lot of people who think that that's really cool in beer. For my my money, I like just a cool, crisp three one two wheat. Mm, there you go. You know, right. or, or, but this is good, man. I like hams. It. You, you brought it over. Sweet I like hams. it. Yeah. Next week on Tough Cost, hams. It'll be hams week. <laughs> this has hints of couch with, uh, just a light flavoring of
1: cardboard at the nose. <laughs> and it reminds you of finals week hangovers.
0: And just that time that my grandfather rubbed his belly on my face and it was sweaty. That's what this hams reminds me of. I mean, me at of. least it was only one time. Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Some families aren't so lucky. Oh my god, too So let's go ahead and let's talk
0: about (laughs) Some Carolina player moves If you have been distressed by this episode of Duffgast Please write to Jeff Rooter Still waiting for you, Detroit Still waiting for you Oh my god, oh my god Here we Uh, go. Okay, let's skip over this section of notes about the latest episode of Law & Order that I've watched and move into NASL's news. So we're on page 5 now? Exactly, exactly. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, go to page 5, and the first point should say Carolina Player Moves. Carolina Railhawks have chosen to, to make some roster moves in the last day or two. And a bunch of guys who... Didn't play a whole lot, went out, like, Austin King, Jack Coleman, Gabriel De Silva, Jamie Dell, uh, Mamadi ton- which is a great name. See, I was gonna make the joke about Tony IBM, but you cut me off before Sorry. I could say it. Jack make- Dell, Tony, see? I get it. Jeff, why you gotta I kill the magic it. like that? Man? Well, I mean, apparently it's all about PC. <laughs> There's the competition <laughs> There's your competition <laughs> I like that I like that Bradley Balladez Was another guy Who hadn't played much That got left off But three guys Who did make A bunch of appearances For the Railhawks Who were gut Were goalkeeper Hunter Gilstrap mm-hmm. Would come to the Railhawks At the start of this year From the USL I believe with the Riverhounds there uh, midfielder Chris Nurse. Who also worked with their medical crew, right? Yeah, I believe he was in the Korean War uh, as an ambulance uh, yes. driver, too.
1: Yes, Nurse. Mm-hmm. Chris Nurse. That's right.
0: And Simone Bracalello, formerly of Minnesota United FC, was also with them. And he's been cut as well. Kind of disappointing to see. It, it looked for a while like he was going to have just a breakout year after mm-hmm. being a backup at Minnesota. He scored in the first game he played against us. Right. Carolina. And it
1: was, it was off to a hot start back in the spring, but... That's a team that I think is looking to get younger. If you look at these names, there's a lot of veterans on this list. Um, players that they brought in, um, goalkeeper Brian Silvest, who played and was loaned out to the Philadelphia Union of Major League Soccer. Yeah, this past season, so he'll be in goal. He'd been their backup for a little bit, got loaned out, and ended up starting because Philadelphia Union, of course you're going to start at goal. I think I think you made the joke in our recording yesterday. If you got a pulse, you're going to start for the Union. And it's true. And Rais Mboli didn't have much of a pulse when he was with them and I still see, started. I still rate that guy, man. I think it was a big mistake. I, I I will argue this to the ends of the earth. I think he's a good keeper. I think he can be a fantastic keeper. He was great in the World Cup, like right before that. I just think that he... Maybe it was something
0: with management I don't know but he just looked awful we, you know what we got to do we got to commit convince Mboli and Johnny Steele to start a celebrity soccer team And uh, yes with Roy Keen as the manager <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> right yeah I would, I would absolutely I would pay it. I couldn't tell you how much money I would pay to see that they just also
0: the hung on to T e. Schipolni which
1: is big for them. I think that, I mean, he's a, a veteran of the team. It's a big, ha- uh,
0: not hangover, it's a big holdover for them. <laughs> he's a hangover. They're so hungover. The Cosmos were trying to get him, I believe. The rumor mill said the Cosmos put in an offer for him, which makes sense. He's a good yeah, player. They, they try to have. just take all the best of the league every year. I wonder if he got 150000
1: I wonder what his offer was.
0: <laughs> the Heinemann kind of money? <laughs> the Heinemann contract,
1: right? We'll get
0: there. No, you only get that kind of money if you eat people. Uh, Of course. Austin Deleuze, Neil Lavity, Alex Perez, they will all also be coming back with the Railhawks in 2016. By the way, Alex Perez was at Hatafe before Railhawks. He'd been loaned out to a bunch of squads, but I was not aware that we had a former... La Liga player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. Pretty cool. Also, another bit of news, we're looking at the Railhawks maybe getting rebranded at some point. Not this next year, though. Uh, No, no.
1: They'll stay the Railhawks for 2016, but it looks like Steve Malik, who
0: um, is one of the co owners, right? Did you just make him like the, the villain in Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? Yes. Starz Malik. Steve Malik. It's, it makes sense Malik. to me. Say it with me. Malik. Malik. Yeah. That's- it's an A. That's, okay. he knows best he knows best it's an indian slash like it's a south asiany name okay this is a pronunciation guide always has been this podcast you um, didn't recognize it from steven that he's probably from like a different place true exactly okay, true anyway keep going keep going, keep <laughs> a going. very
1: regional name steven um that guy um and his company went ahead and they trademarked the
0: carolina flight yeah what do you think of it it's like the 11, someone was saying online. It's kind of has that, you know, American-y thing of place and then mascot. Yeah. But it's not like a traditional, like, fighting walkings or, like, fighting Sioux or, right. like, something offensive like that. You didn't that.
1: need to choose an animal either.
0: Exactly. Which is something. And no
1: one knew what a Railhawk was. I don't think they would still know what a Railhawk is. But Carolina Flight allows them to keep Swoop, their little Railhawk mascot. And it's probably a better fit for Swoop.
0: I think Swoop will be a little less confused and a little more at home. I do think that their proposed uh, new mascot of a anthropomorphic Wright Brothers airplane mm-hmm. is not such a good fit. I think it should just be like the Wright Brothers. They, they just, just have a but like a live reenactment of these shitty planes on the sideline during see, the game. I think they should exhume both of them and put them on the sideline. There's nothing that the Wright Brothers oh, yeah. would like more than to promote soccer in the United States. Absolutely, I think that's not. what they would have wanted. Yeah, back in 1903, their first thought was if you
1: know if we can get this thing off the ground, soccer can get off the ground too. Exactly. That. That's what they were thinking
0: of Kitty Hawk, man. Had to. And then they went and drank hams, and then they did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so we might see the Carolina Flight take off in 2017. Nice. I thought you might like that. That work. <laughs> and <laughs> but it's all going to happen this coming year. Mm-hmm. Speaking of ownership and all this other stuff, former Fort Lauderdale Strikers owner Ricardo Jeromo is in San Francisco. New franchise. New franchise, franchise is what number the say. twenty-seven. Yep, thousand exactly. What are we at now? <laughs> yep, the NASL is now at eighty-three teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're going to have an eighty-fourth expansion. Mm-hmm. King Zauron, the third of Alpha Centauri K thirty-eight. Is planning an expansion for the year 2082. Ooh, that's a big pickup for the league. I think so. I think, although the travel costs for Edmonton will be huge. You know, that'll be bad, but
1: it's bad enough to get to uh, Jacksonville. You might as well fly out to space and see what happens.
0: And I also have to say, I've been concerned about our viewers, the league viewers on Jupiter. I feel that their broadcast deals are just not as good as the ones on Saturn. And it's so hard to connect when you're not even in the same planet of the team that
1: you're cheering for. Right. You know, because, like, I know that um, Neptune has a huge, like, Supporter section for fort lauderdale but you know how can they get to games you know it's hard to travel more than two or three people per single game or aliens rather so
0: if you're listening to this podcast you should invest in warp drive technology experimental warp drive technology and if you want
1: people to try it out exactly me and notch
0: ricardo Jeromel might be starting a new expansion franchise in san francisco we should find out about that hopefully soon yeah but uh these are all rumors of course Gunter Kronsteiner is also officially out at Fort Lauderdale Strikers since the last time the two of us sat in this room. I don't agree with it. I mean, I agree with you that that it happened.
1: I'm not saying that it (laughs) didn't. I refuse to believe. But I do refuse to believe it. It makes no sense to me. I don't know. Maybe, like, at a certain point, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, is this something... Fool
0: me won't be fooled again fool fools april fools i <laughs> no, no no george w bush that's what he said once upon a time anyway go oh, ahead that's right mission accomplished. yeah i still have my that's bushism's right. calendar from like 2005 sitting on my desk but no As you're right it, 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 if you look at Crone center being kicked out of fort lord it makes zero sense do you think he wanted to leave i don't think so i don't know why he would he called out like Chaos Zanardi, who I believe was their either the GM or the TD. I can't remember who, mm-hmm. which one he was, but he called him out in his post when he posted on Facebook. So there was some sort of hinkiness going on in terms of management. He said ownership he was very thankful for, so he called the owners good guys. So he'll be back in the fall. <laughs> Next fall <he's> <laughs> we might back. as well just start that bandwagon. No, I mean
1: whoever they have as the new coach is going to do a great job. Blah blah blah. But of course he cared. Like you don't go back to your old post and fight to get the four seed and actually get the four seed Mm -hmm. and stay very competitive with the Cosmos for about 60 minutes of a game if
0: you don't care about the team. And there were rumors last week saying that Indy were talking to him and today Karthik actually said that he had a reliable source saying that they just couldn't agree on a deal and Indy might actually bring in former San Antonio coach Tom Hankinson, the guy who had taken them to the championship in their first year. So that's a good direction for Indy. I I, th- I well, either way just getting people an extra. Who got legitimate coach. beef with that issue. Idea okay. about Hankinson. But the point is, I think Kronsteiner would have been a good pickup for for Indy, mm-hmm. uh because he's I mean, he makes mountains out of nothing for teams. That's true. He might also be a good guy for a team like Rayo to pick up because he can he's got a good relationship with fans. And again, I don't know how right. much money they're planning to blow their first year on a squad. Yeah. Although speaking of which Grant Wahl revealed in his article about Jacksonville's new coach that Jacksonville Armada had the second highest payroll of any NASL franchise in 2015. Wait, what? Dude. Is that real? They finished dead last. Second yes, highest. Did. Only the Cosmos spent more than Armada. Can you believe that? No. No. Where? Huh? Who? Exactly, right? What? Well, the hint might be Marco Flores. He might be one of the guys. Also, I bet, like, Miguel Gallardo charged, like, 100,000 per blunder or something.
1: Probably, and then that exponentially raises itself. I'm pulling up their roster right now. Um, Our favorite uh, level-headed Buddha, Al Hassan Keita. He might actually be one of the guys, actually. He might be, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Meshek Jerome wouldn't be. He played six games. Pascal Million. Yeah, I'm looking at
0: the people who played... 20, 25 games. It's, I mean, it's, it's... See, but this is why we actually need player salaries. So we can tell, like, mm-hmm. how is a team like Jacksonville who criminally underperformed... Yeah. They didn't where even are they get spending a, their money? They didn't get a single... Like, they averaged less than one point a game in the fall. Yeah. yeah. That's atrocious. That's and how, how, did they, how did they spend so much? I don't get it. Right? I really don't get it. I think we need more wage transparency in U.S. soccer in general. Well, I mean, MLS, and...
1: the player union, will release salaries twice a year. It's not a running list so if you hear like Amobi Okugo gets traded again because he gets traded every year for some reason I think he's wicked talented not the point. He gets traded again and they're going to give him an extension you don't know his contract for 4 right. months. And then you see he makes like 200,000 or whatever a year or some number. I think he's at six digits now. But you don't know that for a while whereas in
0: NASL you never get that number. You never do and and this, you know, you might have heard on the on the podcast where Neil Morris, Karthik, and Brian were on that yeah. episode. They were talking about how player salaries are getting inflated. This has been a big topic for yeah. kind of the NASL journalists over the last month, that there is something of a spending spree. And I was hesitant to believe that, but this piece of news really is, just, is scary, man. Well,
1: maybe they're just at the forefront. They're an expansion team. And it was only three years ago where a player who was on an MLS roster, an NASL roster could could not live just off their soccer salary. Yeah. If you looked at it. And so maybe their thought was every player is going to have a base salary that's a little bit higher than the rest of the league so it's a living expense and then they'll commit more. I'm sure. just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, but it makes sense to me.
0: Well, that would let me put it this way. I can understand... Again, we don't know what all these payrolls are. Right. Who knows, right? right. It, I mean, we might be talking about the Cosmos spending $1,000 and Jacksonville spending 400 right. And then Minnesota and everyone else being 300 and below. We don't know what the That's proportions true. are, the amounts. Mm-hmm. So we can't say anything about that. All I'm saying is that what killed the old NASL is that the player salaries got out of control. Everyone wanted to spend more and more and more and more. The right. new NASL gets into that kind of fight. Before they have... A strong full paying broadcast contract before they have companies fighting for their sponsorship. Right.
1: It the only thing that I think could work well compared to the old NASL model is that well, first off, compared to the seventies and eighties NASL model, you're Mm -hmm. looking at which player can we get which retiring world class world cup champion player can we get? Uh Beckenbauer, Pele, etc. And so then you're hoping for tickets and revenue, whereas now, I mean, Raul, fantastic player, but it wasn't necessarily a Pelé signing because the players that are going to be those huge draws are going MLS, so I think where NASL could get their big bump would be if they have their base salaries be a little bit more competitive and higher even Mm -hmm. than the MLS base, and so that they're getting a lot of those, like, squad players, and the players would be your 9th, 10th, 11th starters, in a typical roster to suddenly be, you know, your cornerstones in the NASL, that would be a big move. That's a really
0: interesting way to kind of put it. Um, hmm, I don't think that's the case. Probably not, but, I mean, it's interesting but to it's think interesting. that, you know, if if you do something like that, you get more of the competitive U.S. domestic players coming onto NASL. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't I mean, think about you look, that. I
1: mean, look, and, like, a player like Ben Sweat was a first-round pick in 2014 in the MLS Mega Ultra Supreme Uber Draft. <laughs> for Columbus And then he was at left
0: back For uh, Tampa Bay True The year after Freddie Adu is the next ballet, And now he plays for Tampa Bay Rowdies More of the Rowdies in a little bit yeah. yeah, true, exactly That's uh, true We should actually talk about You know, we've talked so much about Jackson We should talk about their big announcement That happened yesterday Which is that Tony Miola mm-hmm. Is their new head coach You referenced that before Yeah And he brings with him a wealth of contacts in U.S. soccer. He already actually signed an assistant today. Let me pull up who that was. Um, I think it's a great signing. What do you think? I, I mean, he's unproven as a head coach. That's where my hesitation comes in. But from the standpoint of it gets people who might have otherwise thumbed their nose at Jacksonville, but are U.S. fans or might be lured in by the fact that ex-World Cup goalkeeper comes to, you know, local Jacksonville team. It'll get some of that buzz, which is the same thing with Nesta, right? Nesta, Alessandro Nesta, Miami FC's head coach. He's never coached a team before. He's just famous. But sometimes that's all it takes. Well, it it gets butts and seats. Absolutely. You don't have to win your first couple of seasons, Indy's shown that, to have butts (laughs) and seats and have... Something that kind of consistently is able to produce at least survivability income, you know? And Jacksonville is a
1: team that, I mean, it's their second year this coming year. They, yeah. can, they can get away with that kind of a signing because there's, there might not necessarily be a championship or bust kind of mode. If you were to see a team like Minnesota, Ottawa, New York, Lauderdale make that signing, you know, and just bring someone in who has no coaching experience whatsoever, that would be a little more questionable. But for a team like Jacksonville, I think that would work out pretty well.
0: Sure, sure. So so Tony Miola is the head coach at Jacksonville Armada. He had a kind of cool Q&A, actually, in the evening with fans at a local bar. I thought that was pretty awesome that they did his ad. I just want to give a call-out, actually, to Mark Frisch, who, I mean, I don't know the man. I didn't have a chance to talk to him, but... Everything he does and the way that I've heard Jacksonville fans talk about him seems to imply that he knows what he's doing. He's a pretty cool guy. I just like the the way that organization is behaving. Now, of course, this is from an outside point of view from thousands of miles away. So, like, maybe someone from Jacksonville stands up and says, he's awful. I don't know. But I'm just (laughs) saying from what I can see, he's making the right moves and... And
1: in fairness, I mean, goalies on the field have to be leaders. They have to be the one who's forming the wall for, you know, free kicks, and they have to be the one who's getting their defense in a row and everything. So they're, they're seeing kind of some formational shifts on the field as the game goes, and they have to be studying the attackers. So I think it's a logical transition to get someone from goal to coach quicker than, say, a target forward I don't know, but I think target forwards bring a different skill set, and now I'm just going to piss off some target forwards in the world, so <laughs> let's skip it. Let's see. Jim Rooney. Jim Rooney is the assistant coach that he brought in. He coached the USA U-17 team, and he was an MLS All-Star at one
0: point. And gets mistaken for John Rooney, Wayne Rooney's brother, of about course. 50% of the time. Of course. Moving right along, because we've spent way too much time on this topic, I'm pretty sure all of our listeners tuned out. Moving right along to the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who we were talking about, and vacuum cleaner commercials. Tom Heineman. Ottawa Furies, wonderful, amazing star, uh, super Tom Heineman, the man with the uh, sideburns of a god, the man who is Jesus walking on the earth again, is now earning hundred and fifty grand a year at the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Can you believe that, dude? A guy who had half a good season. Right. Well, he has a skill
1: set that means that he's going to be feast or famine. He'll go seven weeks without scoring a goal, and then he'll get a brace in the uh, soccer bowl. Maybe. Uh Right. I mean, that's just, that's how, like, a target for, like, a poacher like he is works. You know, he might have 20 goals next year. You know, having Georgie Ristoff passing the ball off to him, Freddy Adu lobbing in some of those beautiful um, chip passes that he was showing towards the end of the year. It might be fantastic. It might be a train wreck. We don't know. He's going to live pretty comfortably, though. It is
0: a one-year plan, my friend. It is a one-year plan. It's always a one-year plan. He is handsome, though. So, you know, if, if they do need more people for vacuum cleaner commercials... Yeah. No, if you're into, like, the whole balding afro thing, he's your guy. <laughs> oh, We've been
1: over this. This is not news.
0: Yeah, Tampa Bay <laughs> people, look out for your kids. Look out for your friends. There is a werewolf in town. Mm-hmm. Also, Stefano Pino, 2015 award winner from the NASL. Most number of goals got apparently an attractive contract offer from Fort Lauderdale from sources and hasn't no news yet. I hope he comes back, man. I, I think he was really cool to watch in this league. What do you think an attractive contract looks like? Does that mean that they just like
1: sketched like a 1920s <laughs> pinup model onto the contract and he just said, interesting.
0: Uh, you know I don't see this is the thing, right? I don't know enough about salaries in this league. I, I to make an informed judgment like that. Like I personally I don't just don't know enough. I can't I can't make a value judgment that sort. I would imagine it's probably somewhere south of he- what we saw Heinemann earning, but mm-hmm. I have no idea, dude, to what be quite we'll honest. I mean honestly it's yeah,
1: it's a waiting game at this point, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Fort uh sorry. Well let's talk a little bit more about Ottawa. Um, as expected, Mark DeSantos left. Uh, he had already agreed to go to Sporting Kansas City as like an assistant slash the head coach of their USL side. So Park
0: obviously, Rangers. the headline was NASL Coach of the Year goes to USL. Ha ha ha
1: ha Take ha! Take that NASL! Yeah, that was the uh, that was the entire angle by that, the that's mainstream stupid.
0: media will have you believe. Yeah, that's so stupid, much. man. That's so stupid. I feel like Bill O'Reilly right now, being like, and then the the MLS crowd, these insufferable people who Barack Obama. Barack we Hussein do. Obama has supported this whole time. Yep. They No, but seriously, I mean, like. No, keep. This is. I feel like I'm watching the O'Reilly Factor. This is great. <laughs> the, the, you know. You know. Getting away from the conspiracy theories, it was annoying to me though, just to mm-hmm. see the fact that this guy going and getting a job with the best one of the best MLS operations out there. Mm-hmm. He's going to be literally 30 minutes from Sporting Park when he's coaching at Swap Park, okay? Here's a here's a
1: sneaky theory that I have. Yesterday after we recorded the first version of this podcast, um word started to get out that Peter Vermese is being contacted by teams in Europe. Yeah. And that There are a lot of teams that want him, and he is not denying interest. And he's saying, you know, of course it's flattering to get this sort of offer, and of course it's intriguing, but right now all my focus is on Kansas City. They have one of the best assistant coaches in MLS with Savanin. I think that he would be the one who's promoted first,
0: Mm -hmm. but you have to think Dos Santos would be in the running based off of his work with Ottawa. Yeah, although I gotta say, when when Dos Santos signed the deal to move on to Sporting Kansas City, Mm -hmm. his record... When you look back, wasn't recently good. And some of that might have been how much Ottawa was spending on their players. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you look at how what his performances have indicated since he had that wonderful year with Montreal, mm-hmm. it's not been so great. It's been mediocre at best. So when he signed the deal, he was on the rise for the first time in several years. You get a so, cash in high. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not NESL coach of the year goes off to become head coach in USL. It's NESL coach with decent but mediocre results goes on to take phenomenal position that could lead to big things in the future with MLS team.
1: Right. And with one of the most well-run MLS teams. Exactly. That the league has.
0: And keep in mind he was signed well before the fall season wrapped up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's he's not going off to sign with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, okay? Right. He's not signing to be head coach of the Rochester Rhinos. Mhm. All right. Call or me Chattanooga. when <laughs> Right. Oh. Oh. There's your Garber fucking for the day. Garber. We'll get to Which that. We'll get to that a yeah. little bit. But no, call <laughs> me when Manny Lagos goes off and signs with uh, FC Cincinnati, okay? Sure. Call me when Gio Savarese goes off and signs with uh, the Austin Aztecs. Yeah. Do me do me a favor and go do that. All right. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'll put you on speed dial. All right. All right. Do I still do that
1: anyway? Um. So then they actually hired his replacement. Otto did. Otto did. Who did they sign? Paul Daglish.
0: Oh, my God, of the Fighting Dalglishes
1: of Liverpool. Don't you all know? Yeah, no, he's he's a Scottish forward. He played for the Houston Dynamo for a a swan song of 11 games. He also played for Newcastle, Norwich, Blackpool, while all three teams that are in the relegation zone at certain times of their existence were in the Premier League. So he has Premier League experience. Yay, America cares. Um, He managed the USL's Austin Aztecs that we just... Gave a glowing review of in the last (laughs) segment. Um, He was their coach from 2012 to 2013. They won the league in 2013, and then he came back in 2015. He was the assistant for Real Salt Lake during Jeff Cassar's first year after taking over for Jason Christ in 2014, and then he headed back to Austin.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say about his coaching pedigree, but um, not bad, I guess. He's at least got experience. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. We will see what happens. Ginkani's son will hopefully bring Men in Blazers to start talking about Audible Fury next year.
1: Oh, there we go. By the way,
0: how do you feel about the Men in Blazers and this whole like? Man, I at least soccer podcasts are getting national attention. <laughs> see, but I knew people listening to Football Weekly even before Men in Blazers came around. Right. I think I think there's some logic to the claim that Men in Blazers. It's not their fault that they're being now doubted as, like, these guys created soccer by, like, CNN. Right. But I think there's something to the fact that the audiences are paying more attention to a podcast that talks about the Premier League. Yeah. Than to one that discusses U.S. soccer. I know that they're based out of America now, but... They always
1: were. They're both Britons. They're Englishmen. Through and through, they are Englishmen. And I don't think at any point they ever said, we are the voice of American soccer. No, they didn't. So you're right. I don't think it's their fault. They got their big break through Grantland up until about the 2014 World Cup where they were doing some nice, lovely little videos for Bill Simmons' old, now deceased website, Grantland which I loved, Um, not the point, you know, and they would have their podcast through there and then they got picked up by NBC Sports and that's when their really big national swarm started. They've never really said we're going to build the groundswell for U.S. soccer. And I think if you're giving that sort of an expectation and you're not listening to, I mean, things like Soccer Morning, you're not looking at publications like Howler, what have you, you know, these national U.S.-based, U.S.-centric publications, those are more the ones that if they suddenly were saying, but all we care about is Greg Vardy and how Leicester City is on top of the Premier League. If those publications started only writing those pieces, yes, that becomes a bit of a sellout. That becomes a bit of a problem. However, Men in Blazers never really said that they were going to do that. And so then expectations are to blame. I think it's just the fact that
0: their listener base, rightfully or wrongfully, at least from perception, represents... Those annoying Euro snob kind of stereotype that U.S. soccer fans have built up about people who just don't support U.S. soccer, even though they're soccer fans. Right. And so that's where I think a lot of the hate for Men in Blazers online comes from. So anyway, let's leave it at that. They're not even probably discussing a lot of NASL stuff on their show, let alone MLS. FC Edmonton, some news. Yes. Breaking news This actually, six minutes ago.
1: This actually came out 10 minutes ago. I was on Twitter trying to find out who Tony Miola signed as an assistant coach, and uh, Stephen Sander, who is a, according to his Twitter profile, and I've actually like I, I follow him on Twitter, but he's an award winning editor, Avenue Edmonton, author of booky things, writer of Stephen Sander
0: is one of the like most longtime Division Two journalists, probably the best Canadian soccer journalist out there. Mm-hmm. He is the color commentator on FC Edmonton broadcast. The man is. Awesome. He's been on Two United Fans, too. Mm-hmm. so He's legit. Follow him on Twitter if you aren't doing so.
1: At Steven Sandor. Sand-or, pretty much. Um, he tweeted about 10 minutes ago that Hashtag FC Ed, so FC Edmonton. I'm doing some sleuthing here. Edmonton is expected to announce some player signings tomorrow. So, obviously, they're going to sign
0: Stefano Pino. For $500,000. Pele is it. actually coming out of retirement. Of course. Uh, Pablo Campos has decided to sign for them. In fact, the entire Minnesota United squad is going to wear blue next year at FC Edmonton. One of those three players, I actually think, I could see. Who?
1: Pablo. Not Pele.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pablo, yeah, we don't, we don't know if he's going to come back to Minnesota. So. We don't know. He's out of contract yeah. right now. Hopefully, for and sake, Lance Lang is in there. But, Uh, yeah,
1: I hope so. I thought I'd heard some grumblings toward the end of the year. They were working on a contract.
0: Let's move on from one set of vague tweets to another. OKC, A bunch of rumors about them came out a couple of days ago. Some people who are well-connected saying, it's amazing, it's going great. Some people who are well-connected saying, it's going to be awful, they're going to die. Truth somewhere in between, probably. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Well, to quote
1: Chuck Norris in Dodgeball... Let them play. Exactly. We just have to see them play. We have to get them on the field. Who knows?
0: We will see what happens. Miami FC had open tryouts. 19 people who tried out have been called back for an individual tryout later on with Alessandro Nesta. They also had their first player signing, Brad Rosen.
1: Hey, there you go. I mean, yeah. you have to have a first. You might as well have the Frosted
0: Goon be your first signing. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota fans call Brad Rosen the Frosted Goon because of his uh, exquisite uh, highlights on his hair tips. Circa 1999-2000. Yeah, He was in a boy bag. He was, he, a boy. he was the backstreet boy that left before they hit it big. Which is too bad, really. Good signing, though. He's got MLS experience. He's got USL experience, too. He's got NASL experience, obviously. I believe he played Big in three. U- Europe for a little while as well. So, experienced guy. Kind of had an anonymous 2015 after Tampa traded him into San Antonio middle of the year. Kind of unexpected move from uh, early move. And so, kind of a good way for him to come into a new team that needs a little bit of identity. Good to have a veteran out there. Mm-hmm. Also, Miami FC will release their kit on twenty. December tenth, just in time for the holiday season. They also announced their kit. Their kit manufacturer. It's going to be Macron.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I believe they make what Aston Villa. Aston kit? Villa. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. So, couple of other teams in Serie A too. So, so
1: they've made some kits. You know, it's good. It should be a good direction. Yeah, something different. Who
0: knows? Exactly. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Minnesota United FC. Speaking of picking com- teams, picking companies, picked Populous to design their stadium. This is a architecture firm that has designed well. A lot of, lot of good stadiums, in among others, Sporting Park. Mm-hmm. They would lead architect on Wembley Stadium, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I think so. Yeah, which
1: is, you know, for those who don't know what Wembley Stadium is, it's a pickup pitch that's in Detroit.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, they also designed the uh, the southernmost professional field stadium out there, which is Fortside Stadium in New Zealand, which is the only natural grass pitch that's under a full roof. All right, here we go, Notch. Ready? Lightning round. Yeah. Grass or turf? Grass. What do you want? Okay. Uh, roof or no roof? No roof. Why not? Because roof stadiums just echo. They have that feeling of like enclosure. It's, it's just not as open, as kind of exuberant as one as those like echoey, like the, the metrodome, you know? Right. Even if it's bright, even if the sun is coming in through a plastic ETFE roof, it just feels different. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to be said about, like, the Bell Stadium model, which has,
1: you know, the seats covered so that the fans aren't necessarily complaining and shuffling. But it does give a nice playing advantage yeah. for the players from Minnesota or, in their case, Vancouver, who are used to playing in snow. And all of a sudden you have Lauderdale flying up or, in a couple of years, Orlando flying up, and they're not used to it. That could be an advantage.
0: I don't want Lambeau Field where the stands don't have covers. Okay. so right. Yeah. Totally, totally. So, we'll see what Populous whips up. Hopefully, in a few months, we will have some sort of renderings. Bill Peterson, NASL commissioner, was on a podcast out of Miami, the Ultras Alive podcast, and said a few things, one of which was that Atlanta Silverbacks, there are investors who want to come in, multiple groups of investors who want to come in and take over the Silverbacks. Some want to keep the Silverbacks in Atlanta, others want to relocate them. No idea what's going to happen. He also commented that until the NASL has 16 teams, they will not have an even fall and spring schedule so there'll be uneven seasons which yeah what are you gonna do i i don't personally gnash my teeth about that
1: fair enough yeah i don't think it's necessarily the way to do it having one of the playoff home games going to someone who played well for 10 games and another going for someone who grinded out 20 but fair enough. Fair enough and next year obviously it'll be different they'll have to have a different schedule because of all the teams coming in and going who knows
0: Let's cut the show right here. And I just want to say one thing, which is if you like Duffcast, please tell your friends about it. Please subscribe on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe on any format that you prefer listening to us, including SoundCloud or Stitcher. Tell us what you think about our show on Twitter. If you have feedback, if you have thoughts, if you think our voices are too shrill, let us know. I'm Notch. I'm Jeff. Have a good one, everybody.